Hi everyone, welcome back to Vida Talks. Bienvenidos a Vida Talks. We are happy to uh, be here and another episode having, and we are looking forward to having this amazing conversation. Uh, les damos la bienvenida a todos. Uh, vamos a dar primero la introducción a nuestro invitado de hoy. So I'll let you uh, take the lead over that. Sounds good. It is very nice to be here. I'm Dr. Hector Coranza. A lot of the people know me as Dr. O, basically because it's quite hard to pronounce all the letters on <laughs> my last name. But it's uh, not hard. It's just the way <laughs> they are positioned. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Pero mucho gusto. Me da sí. gusto estar aquí con ustedes y ser parte de esta conversación que debemos de tener con toda la comunidad. Y sobre todo de, de esta área que es importante eh, reconocer no solamente los de la ciudad, sino también los del condado y que todos somos una, una comunidad. Yes, so thank you, thank you, Dr. O. Um, yes, we're here to talk about all these different elements that have affected our Pasa community. Como mencionó, toda, no nomás nuestra comunidad, pero todo, todo el mundo. Y estamos hablando de, pues, obviamente lo que hemos pasado de la pandemia, este, los efectos, eh, las consecuencias sobre ello. Entonces, muchas gracias por estar aquí. No, gracias a ustedes. And, and yeah, this is a very interesting topic because not only we have lived a pandemic that we thought that we're not going to be living and probably our grandparents were the last one who lived through one of the pandemics mm -hmm. but now we were the ones who lived through that so la pregunta que sigue después de esto mm -hmm. a donde vamos porque sí. esa es una de las preguntas que siguen surgiendo siguen preguntando a las gentes y aunque la gente piense que ya no hay COVID todavía hay COVID pero que tenemos que hacer tenemos que vivir junto con eso pero hay que vivir de una manera un poquito diferente. Y hemos aprendido muchas cosas que las vamos a estar discutiendo sí. en, esta, en esta pequeña hora que vamos a tener. Y sí, es cierto lo, lo que ha estado diciendo. Es como que entramos a una etapa en donde vamos a ser parte de la historia, en lo que pasó, lo, 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 los acontecimientos que hicieron, hicieron que nuestras vidas cambiaran completamente. Pero antes de empezar de hablar de eso, quiero aprender de, de, de quién es Dr. O, de dónde viene, por qué hace lo que hace, uh, qué, cuál es tu experiencia este, con este tipo de cosas. Bueno, yo me gradué de la Escuela de Medicina de Juárez uh -huh. y me vine a hacer la especialidad en pediatría a Texas Tech. Todo el mundo conoce Texas Tech. I was part of Texas Tech doing my training as a pediatrician. So as a pediatrician, we practice a lot of public health. What is public health? It is not just taking care of only one patient at a time or one member of the family at a time. Public health is taking care of the whole community. How? Public health is around everybody. Cuando usted va al restaurante y que se come las flautas, el hecho de que no se enfermó con esas flautas, eso es salud pública. <laughs> si estamos manejando, si vamos en el carro, ¿por qué se tiene que poner el cinturón de seguridad? No, simplemente porque le van a dar su multa. Sí. Simplemente porque esa es una de las maneras que hemos ayudado a salvar tantas vidas, no más por el simple hecho de ponernos el cinturón de seguridad. Entonces, hay muchas áreas y aspectos de salud pública que cuando trabajan bien, no sabemos de eso. Uh -huh. A lo mejor no sabíamos que eso era parte de lo que es salud pública. Mucha gente piensa que salud pública es la medicina que me tomo, pero no tanto, sino el prevenir muchas de las cosas. Entonces, ahí estriba todo ese enfoque que le dimos, sobre todo en la pandemia, al principio en donde educábamos a la gente. And then we were talking about many other stuff. Among them, the vaccination, which is one of the tools that we have 
to protect the people, not to make everybody zombie, but yes. to help them stay healthy. El Paso suffers so much loss because we were the hottest spot in the nation. People yes. were taking pictures of people dying from COVID. That was just horrible. It makes me so sad to even think about that. And I hope I never see that again, that to have to stand up tents where we were going to be taking care of patients mm -hmm. because there was no more space in the hospital. We couldn't tend to the needs of the community in that way because there was so many people getting sick and we had almost nothing to be treating those patients. So besides the bad thing, we learned a lot of good stuff that we would be talking about those also. Yes, I think, I mean, it's about in those moments, in the moments where unfortunately so many lives were lost, it's that silver lining of what can we do better so that it doesn't happen like that again. Um, obviously, time um, a large amount of time passed since our last pandemic, but it happened again, right? So what makes us think that it can't happen again? And I think something that is interesting and that I'd like to ask you about, how do you as a public health professional um, manage the fact that your work tends to be preventative, but with the pandemic, it seemed like it wasn't so much preventative work, but rather trying to catch up to see what happens and how to best address that issue. How did you manage that reality? Exactly. And it was, it was extremely difficult because at the beginning, like, well, no, we might not have it. People were thinking, we're not going to be having it. After we started seeing cases, people were like, oh, yeah, I think I had it, but nothing happened to me. Why should I do stuff? And, and one of the realities is that we cannot change human behavior that easily. Yeah. That is yeah. one of the hardest things to do. Entonces, ¿cómo le hacemos entender a la gente que simples acciones pueden llevarnos a cosas positivas? Mucha gente dice, bueno, yo he hecho mis cosas así, ¿por qué me va a decir alguien más cómo hacerlas? No, que nadie me diga lo que tengo que hacer. En realidad no, es simplemente estamos conviviendo en comunidad. Todos como comunidad tenemos que poner y aportar de nuestra parte y de esa manera vamos a ayudarnos unos a otros a cómo salir adelante. Entonces, ese, ese fue uno de los grandes retos que tuvimos, pero de la manera que lo enfrentamos fue a la misma manera invitar a muchos de esos miembros de la comunidad, a muchos de esos departamentos de gobierno, los cuales a lo mejor nunca nos hubiéramos imaginado que podían ayudar. Y de esa manera fue de la que pudimos afrontar esta, esta pandemia para poder ayudar a la gente. So you could have seen that economic development. What does economic development have to do with responding to a pandemic? Well, There was a lot of businesses that were closing because there, we told the people not to get out of the house. There was a lot of people who weren't having a job. There was people that couldn't pay rent. So that's how we were able to help all those people with rental assistance. In the meantime, we were helping all those businesses that were uh, struggling mm -hmm. with that economic development in having the direct response to the pandemic. Office of Emergency Management, the Fire Department, Police Department, Public Health. We were all able to set up testing sites. We wanted to see where was those cases of COVID were helping to respond to the ones that were already sick, once we already had a lot of people, because it's like a wildfire. You have a little lead point, and then you start having a big wildfire, which was the pandemic. 
Everybody started getting sick at the same time. People were scared and, and with justified reason. Pues sí, and, and I think una cosa que mencionó que me hizo recordar a otras conversaciones que hemos tenido en, en este programa es la importancia de colaborar con otras organizaciones o con otros sectores que uno no puede llegar a pensar que se vayan a, a llegar a conectarse, por ejemplo, este, la salud con economic development, ¿verdad? Y, y cómo este, la pandemia fue como el efecto dominó que creó todas esas colaboraciones. Este, ¿Y cómo fue esa experiencia uh, para entender que las necesidades se abarcaban no nomás en la en lo salud, pero en lo económico, en, en, lo, en la educación. ¿Cómo traer todas esas voces a un solo cuarto será? Pero sé que entiendo que era diferentes juntas y conferencias y todo eso. ¿Cómo fue eso para poder apoyar a la comunidad del Paso? Claro que sí. Y eso fue bien importante porque todo el mundo quiere ayudar. Y todo el mundo tenemos que ayudar. Y... Uh, al traer a esas gentes a la mesa, al poder eh, darles esa voz para poder planear y ejecutar esos planes, that was the most important thing. The collaboration that happened because every every organization, every institution, every place has somebody that is bringing talent to the table. And our community doesn't lack of talent. We are amazing community that has a lot to share with other parts of the country and that was the reason why we did so well in many many areas unfortunately there's a lot of challenges that we have because of who we are because of how we do things and definitely we needed to address them and who better than somebody from our community somebody that is here that is willing to help and willing to collaborate so those collaborations are one of the most important things and also we need not to forget We people that are getting old might not know how to use a lot of electronic stuff. Yes. But because of the pandemic, we all learn how to use FaceTime. We all <laughs> use how to yeah. use the Teams, Zoom, all those video yeah. conferences. That that was the only way that we were able to see our loved ones. Yes, and I first of all, don't eat yourself, sir. Like <laughs> we're all learning. Every yeah, every everyone. Uh, regardless of age. And I think one thing that stood out to me is when you mentioned having to respond to the way we are. And I, I'm assuming, I guess I want clarification in the sense of what do you mean in terms of who we are in terms of adjusting to then how do we provide that help in terms maybe this, the, the stigma that was around COVID and vaccines or the, what was it? What, what are the experiences that you had? Well, that is a great question because Who we are as a community, we know that 85, close to 9 out of 10 people in our community are Hispanics. Mm -hmm. What do we have? Hispanics are known to have diabetes. Las abuelitas, las tías, los papás, todo el mundo. Sooner or later, we're going to have diabetes. Mm -hmm. You have people that have high blood pressure. Mucha gente sufre de otras condiciones crónicas, las cuales nos hacían mucho más susceptibles a tener complicaciones si nos enfermamos del COVID. La otra cosa es de que estamos acostumbrados y tenemos la responsabilidad moral de cuidar a nuestros padres, a nuestros abuelos. No los mandamos a las nursing homes, uh -huh. assisting living facilities, because we feel that we need to get back to whatever they 
gave us when we were growing up. And those multi-generational homes, that's another one of the things that we need to recognize that is something that we have embedded in our culture and we need to address. People don't have the means to pay for medications, so they go across the border to Juarez. Sí. You buy the same medications for a fraction of the price. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's something that is here. We always have done it. We always have lived with that. So those things we need to incorporate in, okay, how do we address those issues? What are the risks that we have in our community? How do we mitigate a lot of the risks? And how can we just ultimately keep everybody safe and happy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's uh, genuine, the fact that we see the life of a border town being so different from the rest. Because as you mentioned, I don't think someone who may be living in Chicago can just cross the border and purchase their medicine and, and it'd be a common day thing, right? And so I think that capitalizes the strengths of understanding where we come from and accepting what it is uh, just because it may be more affordable for them to do that. And, and it's something that I don't think a lot of people understand of the way we live. Uh, I, for me, when I was younger, I used to cross the border every morning to go from my house to school in El Paso and then back. And I just, I highlight that because when I talk to my classmates uh, that are not part of El Paso, they're like, but you did that? Like, what do you mean? And so if I tell them that I also went to the dentist over there, they'd be like, what? And it's such an interesting take. And I think it is part it is for our strength um, that we are such a tight-knit community in that sense from, you know, the border towns, from Juarez and El Paso. Uh, can you talk to me more about what, as, as a Hispanic family who, you know, we are very um, family-based, how did that affect the way you approached, um, you know, the rate of COVID increase in cases and then the vaccinations? Well, that is one of the strategies that we need to recognize. And every community, as you mentioned, is is different because they don't mm -hmm. understand why we cross the bridge every day. Mm -hmm. They don't understand if we're two nations, three states, three communities, that it's a whole region and it changes quite drastically from just a few miles. Mm -hmm. And But we share a lot of common things and we need to recognize a lot of those common things mm -hmm. in the way that we address that intervention that we want to provide as public health professionals. If it is vaccination, how can we reach and let them understand the benefits of the vaccination? How can we tell them in simple words that the vaccine is going to save your life? Yeah. It is going to be a life-saving tool and it's nothing to be harming others. I know that with a lot of the technology, a lot of the uh, electronic means, Vamos a tener mucha más información. El problema es de que no sabemos cuál es información verídica o verdadera uh -huh. y cuál es desinformación que nomás está causando daño. Es bien interesante ver cómo, si sabemos de un chisme negativo, se corre muchísimo sí. más rápido que una noticia que, que es algo bueno o verdadero. Y así de la misma manera empezamos a oír muchas cosas de las vacunas. Y sí. qué bueno que tocamos este tema de las vacunas porque todavía existe mucha desinformación en cuanto a eso. Y aunque fuimos la primera región o ciudad que alcanzamos un nivel de vacunación extremadamente alto, eso estábamos esperando que iba a ser un factor que nos iba a proteger. 
Pero desafortunadamente con toda esa información vimos que empezamos a quedarnos atrás en lo que es la dosis de refuerzo. The booster doses was not as fast uptake as what we saw with the initial uh, schedule with the two doses of the vaccine. Why? Because people heard a lot of stuff in social media. People were looking and seeing that because you had the vaccine and you got sick and nothing mm -hmm. happened. Why do I need more doses? Why yes. do I need the vaccine if, hey, I cheated death, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah. ah, to, to hell with the face back, to hell mm -hmm. with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my life because I'm tired of these pandemic things and restrictions and those things. So definitely the pandemic is not over. We need to continue protecting the people. We need to continue letting them know that the vaccine is one of the biggest tools that we have. It's not just taking a pill like an antibiotic and, yeah, you're cured. Or we heard not one, not two, many people, as soon as they were getting into the hospital, saying, okay, please give me the vaccine yeah. now. Like, Sorry, yeah. way too late. But we'll do our best to, to help you, save you. And, and make sure that you tell other people that the vaccine is what could have kept you out of the hospital. Yeah, and, and you bring something up that I'd like to touch on a little bit more because I was going to ask you, you know, what about now? Can we say we're out of the pandemic? Is that an appropriate thing to say? Or is it better to, or to say COVID is over? What would you say would be our reality now? ¿Qué es nuestra realidad cuando se trata de la pandemia, de COVID, de, de las vacunas de, de refuerzo? ¿Son cosas que vamos a tener que vivir con ellas? ¿Y cómo podemos llegar a vivir con ellas? Claro que sí. Yo pienso que uno de los, de los puntos decisivos en lo que fue la pandemia fue cuando se aprobaron las vacunas. Ah, el tiempo antes de la vacuna, la gente se moría y se morían muchísimos. No había lugares donde pudiera conseguir oxígeno, no había lugares donde pudiera conseguir muchos otros eh, equipos médicos que la gente empezó a comprar porque tenía bastante miedo y veían que si eh, se enfermaban, las posibilidades de que iban a desarrollar complicaciones eran muy altas. Entonces la gente también tenía miedo de ver de que, oh, la vecina le pegó el COVID, ya cuando fue al hospital ya no regresó. Y eso fue bastante triste. La gente quería evitar ir al hospital por lo mismo, aunque les dijéramos que si iban al hospital antes de ti, cuando todavía tenían tiempo, las posibilidades de que sobrevivieran o que no acabaran en el hospital serían mucho mayores que esperarse hasta que ya estuvieran muy, muy enfermos. Entonces, el punto del, de cuando salieron las vacunas antes fue, ahora sí, un, un tiempo muy oscuro en el cual había mucha tristeza, muerte, eh, todavía no sabíamos bastante acerca del COVID, no teníamos medicina, no teníamos nada. En cuanto salieron las vacunas ya tuvimos muchísimos más elementos para proteger a la gente, inclusive medicamentos empezaron a salir, se aprobaron. Y una de las cosas que es importante mencionarle a la comunidad también y a, y a toda la audiencia que tienes es de que el COVID es de los virus que más se han estudiado en la humanidad y en la existencia. Entonces, de esa manera, aunque diga la gente, bueno, esto es muy nuevo y están experimentando conmigo. No, porque esa es otra de las cosas que la gente sí. sabe. Pero lo que estamos autorizando para que la gente tome, ya sea medicinas, ya sea vacunas, se han probado, se han estudiado bastante. Uh -huh. 
y sabemos que es algo benéfico y que el riesgo beneficio va a ser mucho más inclinado y la balanza está muchísimo más inclinada hacia el beneficio que tenemos comparado con el riesgo de que pueda haber algún efecto secundario. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Entonces, cuando estamos hablando de poder, porque lo que estoy escuchando es de que hay mucho miedo, o puede llegar a haber mucho miedo. Llegó a haber mucho miedo por lo que estaba pasando por COVID, por la eh, información que no era válida. ¿Y cómo se crea esa relación en donde la comunidad puede llegar a confiar en, pues, en la medicina? Y esa es una de las cosas que seguimos luchando. ¿Por qué? Porque tuvimos ya gente o grupos de gente que tenían sus propias creencias y empezaron a diseminar información. Las gentes que nos dedicamos a la ciencia, a ver lo que es la, la cuestión más en evidencia. Uh -huh. Tenemos que luchar contra esa desinformación que uh -huh. muchos políticos, que mucha otra gente está diseminando, que simplemente infunde miedo. Y eso es uno de los problemas que estamos teniendo. ¿Cómo podemos a United Front so we can provide the evidence-based findings to the people so they can see, look, this is the studies, mm -hmm. this is the result, this is the evidence, and let me translate all that into simple words so you can understand it. Instead of just having different groups sending different messages in the way that is going to create a lot more confusion instead of unity and instead of taking an informed decision. Mm-hmm. I, and when I, I guess for me what I'm, I'm hearing is you know there's all this misinformation out there and I think sometimes individuals may misconstrue the fact that messages are being, being sent across for clarity um, as not necessarily saying the truth but like there's just so many things that go into the setting of the vaccines of the uh, of the of the of covid that to explain all of that would take forever and and i think it's important to highlight just the fact that we you you all are working to provide clear messages clear messages that uh, send out you know information that can be in, uh, digested in a much better format so that they know what to do and that they know how to um, find the, the best support for them. And I think that that highlights what you all are doing to be able to provide that support to them. Exactly. And that's that's important thing. And, and we want to make sure that we reach as many people as possible. And that's mm -hmm. why we have the messages in English. We have the messages in Spanish. And the Spanish has to be in such a way that people can understand. Mm -hmm. And that has been one of the main focus also in how those short, concise messages in ways that people can understand mm -hmm. is extremely, extremely important. So we want to tell con and continue telling the people, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. That is a big question. Now what? The pandemic is over. Does that mean that the COVID is gone? No. Entonces, ¿qué vamos a hacer de ahora en adelante con el COVID? Vamos a seguir viendo gente que se va a enfermar del COVID. Tenemos que ver cuál es nuestro riesgo de enfermarnos más seriamente. ¿Cuál es el riesgo que tenemos de enfermar a los que viven con nosotros? Ya sea los hijos, abuelos, papás, etcétera, etcétera. ¿Y qué podemos hacer para protegernos? Entonces, de esa manera tenemos 
cositas bien pequeñas que la gente necesita acordarse. La vacuna la vamos a seguir administrando y es una de las mejor, mejores maneras que vamos a salvar la vida. Medications are still going to be there and we probably are going to be having more medications that people can take once they're infected. And just be careful. Those are the three main things that we want to continue providing that message to the people and that the vaccines are safe and, and, and effective because people are not getting to the hospital the same way that we had it. Medications have been tested and it helps recover faster, especially for people that have a lot of, uh, a lot of problems. Who do we know that goes to dialysis? A lot of people. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that go to dialysis. They can die just from COVID. Entonces, vamos a estar administrando las vacunas a lo mejor uh, en cada temporada de invierno junto con el influenza y muy seguramente va a salir la vacuna combinada, el influenza, el COVID. Okay. Esa es una de las cosas que estamos viendo a futuro. Las medicinas hable con su médico para que si se enferma le dé las medicinas apropiadas de acuerdo al riesgo que tiene bien importante si tiene alguna condición crónica diabetes, presión alta o que está tomando medicina para el lupus, para algunas de esas cosas tómese la medicina controles esas condiciones es la manera que más va a beneficiarse alargando el tiempo de vida que va a tener aquí para disfrutar de los seres queridos y Vaya a ver a su médico cada X tiempo. Sí. Él le va a dar mucho gusto verlo y ayudarlo. Sí. Y esas son cosas que cuando lo, lo, te estoy escuchando, yo digo, pues está fácil. O sea, uno lo puede estar marcando y diciendo, ok, eso es, lo, eso es lo que voy a hacer. Pero, pues, como hemos estado hablando, hay muchas cosas que, que tenemos que tomar en consideración. Pero a la misma vez, uh, en esta conversación he, he escuchado que hay muchos esfuerzos para poder llegar a la comunidad y poder apoyarlos para que ellos lleguen a, a entender que es simplemente estar cuidadosos y entender de, de que de, independientemente de si estamos viviendo en una pandemia o no, eh, COVID va a seguir siendo un, algo presente. Claro. Correcto. Estoy completamente de acuerdo. Uh -huh. Y una de las cosas que a mí me preguntan, ¿me pongo la vacuna o no? Y mi respuesta es, sí, yo ya me la puse, tú póntela y yo ya se las puse a los míos. Sí. Y así sí. tenemos que seguir este, uh -huh. difundiendo todo eso. ¿Y el por qué? Porque aquí me están viendo vivo, aquí yo quiero seguir sano y de esa manera vamos a poder seguir avanzando. Y creo que también eso es lo, lo que puede llegar a ayudar a nuestra comunidad. Because we are a community that works really well with word of mouth. And we kind of learn from our family members, from our friends, from our neighbors, right? That if we see that they do something well and we hear the, the benefits of it, we're like, oh, okay, like I trust you. I see that, that, that something really good happened, so let me do it. And so I think that is also a really easy and practical way to be able to continue spreading that good um, and, and real information about it. So before leaving, uh, I would like to ask you, what were the lessons learned both in as your own role as a professional, as a doctor, and as a public health community while going through COVID? What were those lessons learned? Well... We're still learning, and one of the lessons learned is, like, we need to preserve life. We're doing everything just to keep people alive. It wasn't because we want to hurt anybody. It wasn't because we want to take anybody's rights. Yeah. We want to save the life. Life is the most precious thing that we have, and how can we do it? And the lesson, the biggest lesson is that. Let's 
stay alive. The yes. other lessons we talked about, the collaboration, having your neighbor, having your other organization, having somebody else and bringing ideas to the table is, is going to help us a lot more than only one person pulling the whole load. Mm-hmm. And best of all, let's trust science. Yes, yes. And that's so simple, right? Just yeah. trusting science. Y, y como usted lo dijo, no es sobre... Perdón, le dije de usted. Este, <laughs> uh, no sobrecomplicar las cosas y saber que ustedes están aquí para salvar vidas y eso es el rol eh, de, de, de ustedes y poder ayudar a la comunidad entonces muchas gracias Dr. O for, for being here is there anything else that you would like to share that we haven't talked about before we end no just thank you and thank everybody in the community thank each and every one of you as an audience, as somebody that lives here in the community, thank you for being you. Thank you for us that we as a community have pulled through a big, big uh, pandemic. It was tough, dark times, but there's a lot of life that we need to live ahead of us. Yes, and thank you so much for, for your service and for your experience, for leading you know us in, in such uncharted territory. You know, we really do appreciate it. And to our audience, we appreciate you. Los apreciamos. Uh, si ustedes tienen alguna pregunta, quieren comentar algo sobre el episodio, you all are more than welcome to in the comment section. But other than that, we leave you with this. I uh, hope you all have a great rest of your day. Bye. Okay. It's a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you.